You're listening to Family Petals, the podcast for people questioning the status quo and living life a little bit differently. I'm your host, Sarah Copper. Today, Elspeth Cool is joining us again for part two of her interview. If you missed part one, be sure to go back to episode six and give it a listen. There, you'll hear about her biking story and how she deals with the judgment that can come when parenting in public on a bicycle. In this episode, we chat about her business, Four Star Family Cyclery, what they do, how they are different from other shops, and what it's been like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. Welcome back to the show, Elspeth. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here again. So last time we talked a lot about your personal story, how you went from not biking at all to now owning a business around family biking. This episode, I want to dive into that and learn more about how it got started and what you do and what that all looks like. Why don't you start by telling us about your business and what you do? So I own a small bike shop in Chicago. It's called Four Star Family Cyclery. The four stars being a nod to the four stars on the Chicago flag, Mm. which makes our branding really fun and local. And we started officially in June of this year. So we're really, we're like a baby business just getting started, but it has been super fun. I've really loved it. And in some ways it feels like it's been a long time coming. It's sort of a natural next step for, uh, for the journey I've been through in family biking. So we are pretty unique in that we're not your average bike shop. Uh, We only do bikes that can carry kids and cargo. That's all we focus on. I love it. Yeah, it's super fun. So we offer sales of several different cargo bike brands. And then we actually have more focused on what I think of as the front end of getting families riding. So sales are great. Sales, you know, make a business possible. Um, They kind of make it possible for us to do our other, the other facets of our business, which I'm honestly most excited about. We're the only bike shop in the city that rents out cargo bikes, Mm. which is really, really fun because what it does is it really lowers the barrier to entry for a lot of families. We have ridiculously low rental rates. Basically, the rest of our business subsidizes the rentals, but it's something that we want to provide for families in our city, uh, regardless of whether you're super rich and so you can afford it. That wasn't what we wanted. Uh, We wanted it to be available to as many families as possible because what I've seen is so many families can't make the financial jump to buy a cargo bike, put down cash up front for a two to six thousand dollar bike which i totally get i've been there right but that doesn't mean that you should have a a life without a cargo bike (laughs) in my opinion so some families utilize the rental service as a way of figuring out they know that they do want to purchase a bike even if that's in the future Mm -hmm. they know that they want to purchase a bike and so they utilize our rental fleet to figure out what feels most comfortable which bike even will fit in their very small storage area? That kind of thing that you you don't know until you bring the bike home. So that's one part of our rentals. We also see a lot of rentals from families who are just visiting Chicago, and they usually own a cargo bike somewhere else. 
they want to get around the city on a bike, but the sort of touristy bike places don't have a lot to offer for riding with your kids. Yes. And then the third group that we see is people who probably aren't ever going to buy a cargo bike, but they have particular days or weekends in their life that it would be nice to have a little bit more capacity. We've had people who have family visiting and, you know, they have one seat on the back of their bike, but they want to be able to take the two cousins too. Mm. Or mm-hmm. we had a grandfather rent one of our cargo bikes so that he could take his daughter-in-law and granddaughter around because he didn't have a car. Nice. I could have benefited from that business in all three of those areas, I think. Because when we were looking for a cargo bike, one of the problems was that you cannot test them all out, that there are so few shops that carry the bikes. And it feels like a really big risk to make that big of a financial investment without having ridden the bike and to be totally confident that you're making the right choice. Exactly. And then this summer, we went on a really long road trip, and I really missed biking while we were there. Once we were in cities, I missed being able to explore in that way. But with kids, it's hard to find a bike and helmets and the whole situation that would accommodate a family, like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You're meeting that need at so many different levels. Yeah, we've had families rent them because they're going on a bike camping trip, and they need a cargo bike to haul all their stuff. Yeah, we've had families who have, you know, more family coming from out of town and they already have bikes, but they want to kind of show their extended family how they get around the city. So they rent bikes from us. It's honestly one of my favorite things is getting to meet all these different people um, and families from our city that I otherwise probably wouldn't interact with. That's been like a really fun side benefit for me personally. Yeah. So how did you go from just having this idea to actually making it a business? So it actually started about two years ago, actually a little over two years ago now. One of my friends, who's also a cargo bike mom, and I, we decided that we were going to start a family biking group for Chicago because we had both snuck into other groups around. So there was a Seattle family biking group on Facebook, Mm -hmm. and we had both request to join and they had let us in uh, because we just we didn't know that many people who were doing it and these groups are just always full of encouragement and they're like the most non-judgy bike groups on the internet it's wonderful you can ask any question and people are just going to answer helpfully and honestly and not be like you're an idiot and then just parenting hacks like here's how we do snacks on the bike here's how i secure my child's water bottle so they don't throw it in the middle of the road yes. while we're riding. <laughs> Just all that little stuff that you can kind of only glean from if you're like in a community of people who are doing it. So we kind of got frustrated and thought, gee, I guess we should just start one for Chicago. And so we did and figured 10 of our friends would join it probably. <laughs> And we have, two years later, we have over a thousand local parents in our group. It's very active. It's my favorite place on the internet because everyone is nice and helpful and just gung-ho about being a good neighbor and loving your city by riding in it. It's wonderful. So that started two years ago and 
We try and do community-focused events, um, a lot of family biking fairs, that kind of thing, as well as just maintaining our online presence as a, an educational resource, basically, for families who are interested in this, and a community. That's the most important thing, knowing other people who are doing it too, so you don't feel like the crazy person. It normalizes it when you see a huge group like that yeah, that yeah. are all doing something together that you wouldn't know them because there may not be many people on your block, but in a whole city, there's so many people that are thinking the same way you are and doing the same things you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and we also, we merged with the Chicago Critical Mass movement. Mm-hmm. So that's now sort of all under the umbrella of Chicago Family Biking. And we have, we have 11 different neighborhoods that are hosting free monthly family-friendly Critical Mass rides. And I can't take any credit for that. That is my co-founder, Rebecca's driving force. She is amazing. But it's really, really fun to see that taking off in our city as well. Some of the rides, we will have 50 to 100 people attend. Very cool. So all of that happened kind of, I don't know, I guess we were just sort of surprised. Like, oh, there's a lot of interest. And then just through being an admin in that group. And so being pretty plugged in, seeing the questions that came up, they're just sort of started to bubble to the top, these top 20 questions that people would always ask. And one of them was always, I'm really interested in this cargo bike thing, but can I rent one? Mm -hmm. That was just something that people kept on asking. And I have gotten to know several bike shops in the city that sell cargo bikes. And I, when I was in having my bike service or whatever, like ask, hey, have you ever thought about renting cargo bikes? And it was just met with this, no, that's not how we do it attitude, which was sort of like, well, I'm hearing all these families be really interested in this and ask for this. It seems like, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but it seems like this would be sort of a natural expression of a bike shop to help out the community this way and offer this. Right. That there's a market for it. Yeah. And it was sort of met across the board with this like, that's just not what we do. That's too much work. The bikes might get damaged. What about insurance? Right. Which are legitimate questions. Nobody ran with it, which I was sort of like, hey, I'm giving you this free idea here. (laughs) And so I finally just got frustrated. I'm tired of hearing families ask for these things or like, I think I want to get a kid seat from the back of my bike, but I've never even ridden my bike with a kid seat on it. Mm-hmm. And once you've done that, you know, it feels really different, right? It does. But there's no place to try it. You have to go in, you have to take your bike in, you have to buy the seat at the shop, they will put it on, and then you get to ride it. And at that point, it's not like, I don't like it. Can you take it off, please? Right. I don't think that most, especially women would do that. It's just sort of, oh, okay. Like I already paid for it. They already put it on. This is it. So I, yeah, I kept hearing all these women like, I think I'd like to have a bike seat, but I'm just nervous about having all that weight on the back of my bike. And Mm -hmm. so why not just have a basic bike that has a kid seat on it that someone can ride around the block and then they'll realize whether or not that seat is a good fit for them. So that's what I'm trying to do is everything from just here's a bike with that basic seat on the back and you are welcome to try it for a week. See how you like it to here's a $6,000 cargo bike that you need to see if this is a good investment for you. Yes. 
kind of hit that whole spectrum because it it's unknown, right? And that's what makes it kind of scary and intimidating. And I'm also really, really passionate about good teaching. Coaching was such an important part of my journey, getting comfortable. So when someone rents a bike, unless they're a a biking family already, then, okay, here's the bike, off you go. Right. But typically I take about 15 to 30 minutes with the family and we go over the whole bike and especially here's how to get your kid in, here's how to manage a kickstand, Mm -hmm. here's how to keep the bike from tipping over and then riding, right? It's not just, oh, you just hop on and go. It feels really different. Mm -hmm. So having... Having people emotionally prepared for that, that's normal. It feels really funny. It's going to feel really different, and that's okay. Be brave. Keep trying. And doing all of that in a supportive, non-threatening environment. Because I think that the other thing is when you go to the bike shop, people are embarrassed. Mm -hmm. What if I fall over with the bike? What if this? What if that? And that keeps a lot of people from even going in. And so... I have tried to make it as low, just not intimidating. I'm not intimidating. I'm like a very small woman. And speaking from my own personal experience and being encouraging when it's hard the first couple times, you do get used to it. It will start to feel normal. You just have to keep trying. Or, nope, this isn't a good fit for you. Let's try something else. Mm -hmm. So that is what I love about the rentals is also that relational coaching aspect. Yes. It's not just dump a bike (laughs) on you and off you go. Right. It sounds like you're really trying to hold that space for people to be comfortable asking questions. Mm -hmm. Because it is something when I was looking at cargo bikes, I felt like I went in preparing to humble myself in a lot of ways and to ask the questions Mm -hmm. that felt dumb that other people knew, but I genuinely didn't. And we're looking at making this big purchase and just even things like getting the double kickstand, knowing how to disengage it and re-engage it. Exactly. That was all new to me. I had no idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. And there is this feeling of, am I going to look like an idiot in front of these people who what they do for a living is bicycles and that it's intuitive to them. And no one was intentionally trying to make me feel like I didn't know what was going on. But I think there was a higher bar for what was expected that I knew going in that was unrealistic and that I wish the bar had been much lower and that they had assumed I knew nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like if they had been ready to answer those questions and expecting those questions instead of me having to be the one Mm -hmm. to come forward with it. Right. You have to initiate that really awkward, hey, I feel really dumb, but, and that is just never a good feeling, especially... I'm just going to be really honest here when it's usually a woman asking a man that Mm -hmm. there's just this whole another level of, I don't even know what to call it. It just feels really intimidating. So I like to tell people that our number one thing that we believe is that there's no such thing as a dumb question. So you can ask me whatever you want about riding with kids and I'll try and answer honestly. And I think that that is, that's freeing. Yes. I'm always telling myself and the guys who work for me, no such thing as a dumb question and no mansplaining. Like that's the goal. Yes. That's what we're trying to do in every interaction that we have with the community that we work with. 
I think that is a very noble mission and very much needed. And that is not to say there aren't other great bike shops. When we bought our Yuba, we had an amazing experience where they let us take it home and use it for a while. Mm -hmm. They were so supportive and kind, answering all my questions. And it actually sold me on buying the bike from them because they were just so amazing that my experience with another bike shop was much different from that. And that alone made me want to support the one that was supportive of our family. Yeah, I think that that support is really key too. So another piece of what we're doing is, so you buy a cargo bike, I feel like, especially if you buy a bike with electric assist, in some ways it just sort of feels like a wild card. Like, what if this breaks? Mm -hmm. It's not analog. It's not like if your chain falls off, you can probably get it back on. So it feels like this bigger commitment. We're investing in this thing that if it breaks, we're not going to be able to fix it which I think is overwhelming too. So another part of our commitment is that we are we're here for families for the long haul. So just because you buy a bike from us, that hopefully we get to see you a lot, not because your bike is broken, but because you had a question and you felt fine to reach out to us. So I just, it's just sort of become my standard practice when we sell someone a bike, I check in two weeks later, how's the bike? What's going on? Do you have any questions? Um, are you hearing any funny noises? Just to like renew that relationship. I'm still here mm-hmm. just because you paid us. We have not washed our hands of you. Right. In fact, we're hoping that you will always feel free to take advantage of us. That's what it's about, right? This ongoing relationship. And I feel like so many families too, you don't just buy one cargo bike and you keep it set up exactly the same forever. Right. Because your needs are always changing as your kids grow. Exactly. And so that there's just always this sort of, okay, now we're ready to switch to a hoopty. We're going to get the second kid out of the yep seat. Mm-hmm. There's this built-in ongoing relationship, which is also, I feel like, really, really important. And also empowering families to take care of their own bikes that's something else. So we do mobile service primarily because this is just another thing that I figured out from my own personal experience that if you have an eight foot long, hundred pound bike that is not working, (laughs) it's really hard to get that bike to the bike shop. Right. Especially if you don't have a car. (laughs) If you don't have a car and especially if the only bike shop that will touch your cargo bike is four or five miles away, Mm -hmm. that's kind of terrible. You have to rent a van or go to all these extreme measures. And then even if you can get it there, then you have to go back and pick it up. It's just this sort of total hassle. So in my experience and what we've been doing so far, most things are not catastrophic. They're, They're pretty simple to fix. And there's no reason that it can't be done in your garage or in your backyard or on the front sidewalk. And we're willing to do that for people. And it just makes life easier for families because Mm -hmm. we go to somebody's house. We have an appointment at 6 p.m. They come out and let us in. We talk about what's going on. And then they go back in and keep putting their kids to bed or keep doing family dinner. And they had to take five or 10 minutes instead of figuring out how to get the bike to the shop. And for a lot of these families, The bike is their mode of transportation, right? Yes. Your bike isn't working. You can't get to school tomorrow. 
it's not like, oh, yeah, we'll just drop off our cargo bike. We don't need it for a week. Mm-hmm. That is very rarely the case for these families that own these bikes because they are intended as a car replacement. Right. So we try really hard to come out as fast as we can if there's a big problem that is keeping you from using your bike. And then, you know, we'll hopefully have it fixed in an hour or two and then you can ride to preschool tomorrow. So that's another part of it. And then what we also love to do is demystify, right? It's sort of the man behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone who wants to sit and learn about, okay, we're switching out your brake pads, really not that hard, right? But let's teach you. Let's talk about it together. Let's do it together because why not? And that's such a wonderful, empowering thing, especially for women to be able to participate in the maintenance of their bike without feeling less than or judged or like they're stupid. In fact, I think it makes them better cyclists ultimately because you're just informed. Then if you're hearing something funny, then maybe you know what it is the next time. Or maybe you can help out a friend who's having a problem with it too, that when you're sharing the knowledge with somebody, that's just opening the door for more people to learn the more people you teach. Exactly. So we do rentals and then sales, mobile service. Those are our three things that we do. Wonderful. We talked about it a little bit in terms of the customer's perspective, but what has it been like being a woman operating a bike shop in a traditionally male-dominated industry? That's a big question. <laughs> I, I guess I could also add to that, not only in the male-dominated industry, but we're doing something that is very countercultural to the bike industry. I've gotten a lot of pushback on that. Pushback on the rentals? On the rentals and that we're doing mobile service mm-hmm. and that. So basically the, the tenant of having a bike shop is that you have this retail storefront. That is how the industry has been run. And we're not really buying into that. We're more focusing on excellent customer service. And that means that we are meeting families where they are, which is literally at their houses, which is where they need their cargo bikes taken care of. So that I think has also been, I get a lot of like, wait, you're doing what? (laughs) Uh, And like, how does that work? Do you also have a storefront? Right now we're running everything out of our, we have a workspace, but it's not a retail storefront. Okay. The hope is that eventually, fingers crossed, maybe even soonish, we will have a sort of like a storefront, more of like a place where people can gather and come in and we can have multiple bikes and all of our storage and everything all centrally located, which will be so nice. But that's another part of my coming into this business was I didn't have a ton of capital to sink in Mm -hmm. when we were starting. And so it was sort of this choice of, well, we can either do it the traditional way, pay rent, put down a deposit for a space, do a retail build out. It's a ton of money. Yes. Which I would love. If anyone wants to give me money for a bike shop, that would be great. (laughs) So sort of I was faced with this financial choice of we can either do the bikes and the service or we can do the storefront, but everything else is going to kind of come second to that. And then when we have a storefront, we're going to be 
in this mode of we have to sell things to pay our rent. Right. Which is fine. But I didn't like what that did to me. Like, I have to hit my sales quota. I didn't like how that made me feel. And I didn't like how that felt like it would change my interactions with people. Mm. Not that it's dishonest, but just that there's this pressure of I had to write my rent check in two weeks and, you know, we haven't sold enough bikes. Totally. Yeah. I didn't want to be in that place starting out. And it was sort of like, I don't know, this is a grand experiment. Is it going to work? Is there going to be interest and demand? It turns out there really is. But this summer has basically been our grand experiment. So we've learned a lot. We've messed up a lot. I think I just added it up. I'm just going to totally toot our own horn here because I'm so proud of this. We have 27 five-star reviews from four months of service. That's amazing. I'm pretty pumped about that. And that's just because I think we're we're respecting people. Mm-hmm. People just want to be treated, you know, like normal human people, not like lesser lesser people because they don't they don't know how to change their brake pads or whatever. Right. So it seems like there's a lot of interest there and I'm just gonna kinda keep following that. I love it. But to get back to the industry part of it, I have met so many people who have been so supportive and excited. And I knew going into this that I needed some teachers. And I have had a handful of just amazing, dedicated bike shop owners and other people in the industry who have really taken me under their wing and said, call me anytime. Let's talk about this. I'm going to give you honest feedback. And I just, I can't say how much that has meant to me. Because I really, it does sometimes feel like just making this up as I go. I'm going to be totally honest. (laughs) But I think everyone feels like that when you're doing something like starting a business. Yeah. So scary to start such a big project like that. Yeah. (laughs) So the flip side of that is that I have had some very strange and disheartening interactions with people who are either really uh, doubtful of the model Mm -hmm. and I guess sort of see that as like a threat to the the way everything has always been which I I don't know innovate or die right yeah if it's a threat then it means it's a good way of doing things and that you're hitting on something that other people have been missing exactly this is strange to me too I've had people say to me like oh you should you shouldn't like talk so much about your model and what you're doing, sort of these insights you have, because other people are going to copy that. Like, that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, right? no, I am going to keep shouting about this until hopefully every bike shop that interacts with women on a daily basis hears this. Right. This is what women want. And this is actually how what a lot of guys want, too. Yes. Because I know plenty of men who don't like going to bike shops either. Yes. People just want to be treated with respect and kindness and honesty. That's it. It's not a big secret. <laughs> and taught well. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. And sometimes that means you have to go the extra mile or like stay a little late or take a little more time. But it's so worth it because I can say I've been on the other end of that. And I have always been so deeply appreciative of someone who is willing to do that for me. Same. Yeah, so just kind of weird, weird stuff about just assumptions about like, well, you know, women aren't mechanically inclined. It's like, well, maybe because no one ever taught them. Mm -hmm. It's not like 
biologically women can't. Women are very capable of changing a flat tire and oiling their exactly. chain. Exactly. And switching out brake pads. <laughs> right. They just need someone who's not going to be a jerk to teach them. Right. It's not rocket science. <laughs> like, exactly. And someone who's going to actually let them do it. That's been an experience I've had a lot mm. is with men who are sort of like, oh, sure, I'll show you how to do this. But they don't actually let me do it. They just show me. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I actually have to do that myself. Right. In order to master it. You don't that, like that's not how you teach someone math. Right. Right. We're just going to show you how I do this problem and then you'll be fine. <laughs> you can totally do algebra just from watching me do it. That's not how it works. So I think a lot of times that's been something that I've had to assert. Okay, thanks for showing me. Now we're actually going to take the tire off again and you need to let me be in front of the stand mm -hmm. and you need to let me do it. And if I'm doing something wrong, tell me, please. But I actually have to, I have to do it. So that's been something I really noticed. And yeah, just a lot of the basic terrible assumptions. Women only like pink and purple things. Women like, you know, variety. So it's a pain for me to have to stock variety in my store. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Men only like one single kind of black bag. I That's not true in my experience. Right. Yeah. And just a lot of, especially this is my, one of my biggest beefs. The things that are quote unquote designed for women mm -hmm. are terrible. <laughs> They're either not as well designed or they fall apart faster or they're in a color that I don't like, I tend to sort of shy away from anything that's, oh, this is only for women. Yeah. Because to me, that says, oh, this is lower quality. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, or someone didn't put as much thought into this bag as the bag they designed for men, which is hmm. not totally true. There are some great companies like Pocampo and that are doing, you know, women-specific bags that are amazing, but... In general, that's been my experience. It's like it's the afterthought as opposed to the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, let's slap something on this and call it the women's product, which is really frustrating. Yes. And then just bikes. I'm not very tall. There's a lot of cargo bikes that are almost impossible for me to ride. I'm a very proficient cyclist, but there's a lot of bikes that it's physically difficult for me to ride mm -hmm. because it's designed in such a way that oh clearly was someone was thinking about the average height of a male yes well they designed this bike and now it's in mass production and it's cheap and available so i go through this with women all the time of course you want to save money that's good so these are the bikes that are in your budget but actually you probably won't be comfortable riding any of them mm. so if you are a petite woman who wants to carry two or more children on a bike, you automatically have to spend $3,000 more. Because you need something where the center of gravity is low and where the top bar is designed in a way that actually allows you to get on and off the bike comfortably. To step through. Yes. Exactly. Or you have a smaller rear wheel, mm -hmm. but those are more expensive. So it's just this ongoing conversation that I have with women like, oh, sorry, you're under 5'5". Five, five. This whole category of bikes is sort of off limits to you in that I ride them because I feel like it's important to test everything out and I put my kids on them and I'm a really good cyclist and we tip over sometimes. 
So in good conscience, I can't tell you that this is going to be a comfortable ride for you. Right. And you want people to have that information because how terrible to spend money on a bike that isn't going to work. Right. Right. So I'm very honest. But then I have to follow that with, and these are the only bikes that will work for you, and they all cost a lot more. Man, if somebody could run with that in the industry and design some front-loading cargo bikes, I mean, I get it. It's really hard to come up with this perfect bike that meets aesthetic, right? Nobody's going to buy an ugly bike Mm -hmm. and also has good quality components and is cost-effective, right? That's the trifecta. Yes. But it kind of feels like, again, is anybody thinking about women here? Mm. Particularly, you know, women who aren't six feet tall and like bodybuilders, which (laughs) most of us aren't. Right. Just think about an average woman of average strength who's 5'3 and wants to ride a bike with her kids and make a bike. I wish someone would do that. Yeah. And there are certainly companies that are, you know, working towards that. But that is just something that I notice regularly. In talking with families about, we I like to call it cargo bike matchmaking, mm-hmm. figuring out which bike is going to be a good fit for you. And that's that's pretty much the first conversation you have to have out of the blocks. Sorry, you are genetically indisposed to <laughs> riding <laughs> these cargo bikes. And therefore, you have to spend a lot more money. That's not a fun conversation to have to have. Well, there's a free business idea for somebody to, to take and utilize. Yeah, I'm just giving them away here. (laughs) I love it. Please, someone do this. I will sell them. (laughs) I love your business model. I'm so excited that you have it going and that it's been a success so far. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that grows over time, because I think you have really hit on some things that are so needed in the industry and are serving an underserved market. Thank you. Honestly, it felt Like it was a selfish endeavor at the beginning. I'm just making the bike shop that I would want to go to. Yeah. But I think that has held true to a lot of other people's experiences. So yes. And it's a great business idea then. If you want to go there, other people will too. And I hope they do. I really hope they do. Call me. I will tell you all my ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, let's end the show by transitioning back to your experiences biking. Every show, I ask guests these three questions at the end. What do you find to be the biggest challenges of biking as a family, the biggest benefits of biking as a family, and a piece of advice for people who are interested in incorporating more biking or active transportation? Let's start with what you have found to be the biggest challenges. Well, definitely geographical Winter riding was really intimidating to me for a long time. And yeah, it wasn't until I sort of slowly collected the gear and got the right bike that I felt truly comfortable on that that became a possibility. Mm -hmm. So just weather can be challenging. And I don't know, I feel like I could have a lot of answers to this. (laughs) (laughs) Basic infrastructure Mm -hmm. is a huge challenge. Getting safely from point A to point B when the city hasn't made it a priority to ensure all road users' safety and comfort can be really challenging. And it's hard. I know Chicago is doing a lot of things now, but when it was built in a way that wasn't prioritizing that and you're trying to go back and retrofit it over time, it's just 
It's really hard. It's way worse. It really is. And it just means that people are accustomed, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this is the way it's always been. Yes. And I think we fall back on that way too much. Right. When the infrastructure doesn't prioritize active transportation, then why would car drivers? Because the infrastructure is telling them that they are the most important. So Exactly. It just, it compounds the problem, right? Yes. And then I think, I know we touched on this earlier, but parenting in public, sometimes it's ugly. Yes. And very humbling. Yes. As is parenting at all times. In general. (laughs) Yes. But there is that extra, that extra level of challenge. Well, what have you found to be the biggest benefits? That we are so much more connected to our local community. Yes. When you're driving through your neighborhood in a car, you can't pull over and chat with a friend that you see walking down the sidewalk. I mean, you can. I guess you could. But it's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. And just how connected we feel to what's going on in our neighborhood. Like when there's construction, we are acutely aware. When the seasons are changing. I mean, so we ride to school every day and my kids for the last couple of weeks have been looking for changing trees mm-hmm. because it's fall and they that's something that they do every morning for 15 minutes on the way to school but they are now tuned into the leaves in our neighborhood which sounds really funny but I just feel like you know we wouldn't do that if we weren't riding our bike we wouldn't be so focused on just this really beautiful innocuous thing that we otherwise would be pretty oblivious to going on around us. Yeah. I just love that. And I think that culturally we have this rejection of limitations, right? Limitations are bad. You know, I can do whatever I want. I mean, we've been told that since we were kids, right? Like you can do whatever you want with your life. But I think that that has sort of fed into our the transportation life, if that yes. makes sense. No, it does. We can go anywhere we want, whenever we want. Cars equal freedom. Exactly. Car equals freedom. And the limitation of not having a car has been so good for my family because we have to say no to stuff. Yes. It's too far. It's too cold. It's too whatever. And that's actually a really good thing. It makes it so much easier to say no. We're not doing that class. We don't need another class. And I don't want to be riding you home at eight o'clock at night in the dark. We're going to be home and we're going to be having family dinner. Totally. It has forced us to make those kinds of decisions, which, you know, sometimes I really grate against. But that's why we have Zipcar. (laughs) If we want to, like, get out of the city or go apple picking or whatever, we can rent a car and we can do that. But we don't rest under this illusion that we can kind of go anywhere, do anything all the time. Because I think that that is part of what contributes to our crazed lifestyles, right? Yes. It's so thoughtless. You just hop in the car and go and it feels like, oh, of course I can add one more stop or I can, you know, make one more trip. But it actually costs way more than you realize. So that has been another huge benefit. It forces us to say no. I agree with everything you just said that Force simplification is really freeing. It's the best. It re- it doesn't feel like freedom, but then it actually sort of turns into freedom once you commit to it. Yes. And the sort of flip side of that is we 
are forced to be so much more invested in our local neighbors, Mm -hmm. in the people whose houses we can walk and bike to, in friendships that are made at the local park. We have to know people in our immediate vicinity because we can't say like, oh, well, we're just going to drive 35 minutes to visit friends all the time. Right. So we have to be friends with the people who are actually around us in our daily life. And I think that that is a really good thing. Yes. I love that. And financially, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Anytime we talk about getting a car, which is usually happens about twice a year in February and March. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I will just be totally honest. That's when it happens. <laughs> so we talk about having a car and it's like, okay, so we could buy like a super junky car and then we're going to have to spend all this money to fix it up all the time. And we're going to lose the income that we get from renting out our garage. Mm-hmm. And we're still going to have to dig it out of the alley in the snow. We just start making the list, right? Mm-hmm. And how much does insurance cost? And <laughs> gas in the city? Like, you've got to be yep. kidding. And then it's like, there's no way we could afford that because we are so used to having this financial freedom that has been brought on by not having a car. I mean, that was part of our choice. I was able to be a stay-at-home parent for the first couple of years of our kids' lives, partially because we didn't have the financial burden of a car. That was a big piece of it. And so we're still seeing that benefit. We get to do something else with that money, which I'm really, really grateful for. So that's been another huge benefit. When I have something that breaks on my bike, a big repair, a really big repair is maybe $100. Right. And that's like, whoa, oh man, this is really (laughs) expensive. (laughs) Right. Where that is not the case with the car. <laughs> I don't even think you can buy like a single car tire for a hundred dollars. Right. So that's been another huge, huge benefit. Well, if you could only give one piece of advice to listeners who are curious or interested in cargo biking, biking as a family, or being car free, what would it be? This is a really hard question. Um find a friend. Mm-hmm. Unless you're one of those People who's just like, I don't care. I'm just going to do this, which is great. But I think most of us need a friend. The community is huge. Yeah. And if you don't have a friend, find a group online. Mm -hmm. You can come be in the Chicago Family Biking Group. Even if you're not in Chicago, we'll let you. Just let me know. We'll let you in. (laughs) Because that community support and inspiration and seeing other people doing it Like you said earlier, it just normalizes it and it encourages you. And when you have, you know, a bad experience, you can bring that to the group and people will say, me too. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. Do you want to ride together tomorrow? Without that kind of crucial community support, it's really, really hard. It would be easy to let one negative experience derail you. Mm -hmm. It's easier to bounce back when there's other people supporting you. Yep. And I'm just going to sneak in there, find a nice bike shop because they can kind of make or break the experience in a lot of ways. Be diligent, I guess. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to try a bunch of shops. If you go to a shop and you don't feel comfortable or welcome, you vote with your feet and leave. Yes. And go somewhere else and like 
keep trying until you find some place that really feels like a resource and sort of home base for you, because that can also be a really critical part of making it work. Because hopefully you will be going back. You'll be going back if you have repairs or questions and you want to be going back to a place where you feel comfortable and welcome. Yep. And also, here we go. Here's the last one. Get electric assist because it's the best. (laughs) I need to take that piece of advice. It has been on my list. So and having these interviews with people who have electric assist has made me want it so much more. So I rode three children to preschool this morning who it's like 150 pounds of kids and my bike weighs 100 pounds. And I forgot to check the battery level Mm -hmm. last night. So I just did seven miles of riding with 250 pounds and not my battery. And I was miserable (laughs) and I was just mad. And I have all this other stuff I have to do today, right? Now I'm just going to be tired. Yep. And it totally just sort of took the joy out of our, now I probably should have just had a better attitude about it, but I take that for granted that I just like hop on my bike and go. It's hard when your expectations are different too, that you weren't expecting to have to do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. It's like, oh man, now I'm going to be all sweaty. <laughs> Definitely consider electric assist because it's awesome. I love it. Well, before I let you go, will you share with listeners how they can connect with you and with Four Star Family Cyclery? Totally. So our website is fourstarfamilycyclery.com. And we also have Facebook and Instagram. So you can keep up with all of the fun going on there. And then my personal Instagram is Elsbeth Cool. You'll have to figure out how to spell that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll link to everything in the show notes. (laughs) There you go. And yeah, those are the two places that you can find me and what I'm up to in my cargo bike obsession. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoy talking to you. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It has been really delightful, and I love what you are doing with this. Thank you. As always, I'll post links to everything we mentioned, including Four Star Family Cyclery's website and Elspeth's social media pages. You can find the show notes at familypedals.com, and you can find me on Instagram, at familypedals. I want to say a special thank you to those of you who have taken the time to rate and review the show on iTunes. It has been so much fun to start this project, and it means a lot to me to know that other people are listening and enjoying the show. Next time, I'll have Lindsay Bailey on as my guest. She is a planner for the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning, and in addition to her own biking story, she shares insights from her work and ways for people to take action to improve the infrastructure and policies in their communities. I hope you'll join me then.